Happy October, but except it's actually August for us. Happy early Halloween? Yes. We're starting our Halloween game. It's Outlast. And I love this game. Well, I love every game we do because I pick them. But you do not like scary things. You do not like horror. I do not. I don't like anything creepy or gory or anything related to torturing someone. Well, Which this game has all three. You've only seen a little bit of the game so far, which we'll talk about today. But uh, you're hanging in there. Should we just jump into to Outlast then? Out of context summary points? Let's do it. All right. In this episode... We meet Shimano's cousin, we get roofied, and we find ourselves once again in a poop tube. And I feel like we've come full circle because these are all things that happened in Yakuza 0. But you mm -hmm. know what? They also happen in our part one video of Outlast. So I couldn't resist getting right into it. We are Miles Upshur, an investigative reporter looking into reports of mistreatment at a mental health facility by the name of Mount Massive Asylum. Miles enters Mount Massive to find it in a state of disarray and runs into some unusual people. Well, my first note is just the little introduction that this game gives you. It absolutely sets the tone and it lets you know exactly what kind of game this is. So this game gives you a little warning. It says, Atlas contains intense violence, gore, graphic sexual content, and strong language. Please enjoy. I don't know what kind of person enjoys seeing that kind of stuff. I think they'll watch it, they'll be okay with it, but they're not purposely out to seek that kind of enjoyment. <laughs> well, it's kind of funny because as we were watching part one, I would like look ahead a little bit so I could warn you about things that are scary. Mm -hmm. And I'd just be laughing <laughs> as I'm fast forwarding. And I realized, wait, what's wrong with me if I'm laughing at this? And the other thing is that I'm the one who has my hand covering my eyes and then peeking <laughs> through the cracks between my fingers because I do not enjoy this. You do not, and I absolutely do. I don't know what that says about me. There might be something wrong with me, but... uh, That is true. I think it, you, you turn off part of your brain to enjoy it. Yeah. It's also kind of how I cope with fear. I told you about when I went to mm -hmm. the haunted maze. And I just yes. sort of analyze it instead of being scared. I'm like, oh, there's something they want you to look at right there. That means they're going to jump out at you from over here. And then they jump out and I just say hi to them. And they hate me. <laughs> That's just how I cope. So the game starts with Miles driving up to the asylum. And we hear some things on the radio. It seems like there's a lot going on in this area. It sounds like maybe some abnormal livestock behavior. Low-flying helicopters spraying for bugs? Do we need helicopters to spray for bugs? That seems intense. Now that you talk about that, I totally forgot about the the chatter too, not realizing what we we're about to watch and what it was going to be like. But it makes sense that other people are staying as far away from that area as possible. And I think that's why everything happening there is being allowed to happen. Yeah, I mean, I hate box elder bugs as much as the next person, but I don't think I would ever commission a helicopter to drop <laughs> pesticide on them. I mean, that has to be a lot of bugs. So it seems kind of weird. We find our first document of the game in Miles's passenger seat. It is dated September 17th, 2013. I'll just tell you, that's like 
were in 2013, so it's a fairly recent email. And this email was sent directly to Miles from 10260110756 at mutemail.com, so kind of iffy. We'll post the, the screenshots of all the documents and the notes we'll talk about, so we won't read them verbatim on here, but the highlights of this document are a short-term employee of Murkoff Psychiatric within Mount Massive says he is breaking a ton of NDAs, but, and I quote, those guys. He continues to reveal that terrible things are happening in Mount Massive and that some kind of dream therapy is going too deep and they are finding something that had been waiting for them in the mountain. So a little cryptic, but it's clear there's some, some misconduct going on here. And he wants Miles to investigate it. I feel like that is coming from someone who probably end up dead. <laughs> because who, like, in what kind of show have you ever seen where the person who sends an SOS survives towards the end? I feel like this is the person where Miles is going to try to find, yet he's not going to succeed because this person's probably dead. But it really does a good job of setting the tone. Because you go in and you're like, what is going on? What am I going to find when I go in there? Yeah, and I have to say, I really like this reasoning for someone to be walking into this because a lot of horror games, too many horror games, it's like a husband going after his wife and then this guy is just going to go save them and it's just so overdone. And so I just love that this is just a guy who's doing his job and that's how he gets stuck in this building. I mean... There can't be that many men that love their woman that much to go through everything in all these horror games, right? Like, maybe one in a thousand. <laughs> and the thing is, how did the female get lost, too? Why can't right. it be, like, the husband that gets lost near the wife who's trying to find her husband, her stupid husband who's always <laughs> doing stupid things? Like, why can't that be a reasoning? Yeah, or even a kid or a dog mm -hmm. or, a, like, a parent or a sibling. It could be anything else. Like, I don't... Or a kidnapper. Yeah. Like, why does it have to be that? Anyway, a rant over. It's just, I don't mean, I don't mind that as a premise. It's just so overdone that it gets annoying. But anyway, moving on, Miles walks up to Mount Massive, and this is when he takes his first note, which will also be available in full in our description. And some important information in this note, Mount Massive was closed in 1971 due to scandal and government secrecy, and later reopened by Murkoff Psychiatric Systems in 2009, under the guise of a charitable donation. So it sounds like Murkoff is a foreign corporation as well in this note. And then also after Miles gets in the building, he scoots through some shelves and there's a bunch of boxes on them marked classified. And I don't know why he doesn't just grab one and get the hell out of there. But... <laughs> He doesn't. He keeps going. I guess they kind of explain later that he's locked in there. But couldn't he have just gone right back out that window? That's what I was thinking. But then he finds the second document titled Project Wallrider Patient Status Report for William Hope. This is dated October 14th, 2010, and it is a patient file written by Dr. Carl Houston containing the therapy status of a patient named Billy. It seems that Billy can lucid dream on demand and... There's something mentioned called the morphogenic engine, and uh, it was observed in him at unprecedented scale. So we don't really know what that means. There's also mention of some sort of hormone treatment, and then a lot of very medical terms that are apparently highly worrisome. 
So something's going on with this guy. Oh, and I think maybe the creepiest part is laughter in NREM state. Does this mean he's just laughing in his sleep? That's the most disturbing thing I've ever heard. It's worse than sleep talking and sleep walking. Sleep laughing. Like, yeah, that's settling. And then also in this document, it's mentioned that Billy knows about his mother's lawsuit against Murkoff, and it's hinted that this is a breach of security because he never should have found out about it. But then it says that Billy heard about it in the blood dreams of Dr. Traeger. I'm confused, are you? I am, because if he's... When you say dream, that's obviously fictional. But at the same time, are they purposely trying to confuse his dreams and his reality with that? You're, you're wondering... A little bit makes me think of Inception. But I'm confused what they're doing with these patients to make them realize. Because we know that this place closed down. We don't know why it reopened and where they got their patients. Because if it's some why-known good corporation, that's how you get patients. But how are they getting these people in to do this research? Are they kidnapping them? Are they stealing them from psych wards? Is this a program they have with a hospital? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, just in these two documents we've seen, this is like just five or ten minutes into the game. If you read these, if you choose to read these, there's so much going on and you have so many questions. But moving on, walking through the hallway at five minutes and 16 seconds, someone slowly but purposefully closes the bathroom door. It's really creepy, but they might have just wanted a little privacy. Who knows? And then a jump scare I had to warn you about. <laughs> yes. The guy on a spike. Um, he's definitely going to die. I don't know if we need to do it so long for this guy. I mean, he kind of helps Miles. <laughs> he says, they killed us, they got out. The variants. And then he tells him that he needs to get out and he can unlock the main doors from security control. So... What are the variants? Yes, exactly. My question was, what are the variants? And are the variants of the original people who came in, like patients, and then turned into variants? Or are they someone like security guards where they brought in and changed them? You're, you're curious where these people are coming from. Well, we don't know what they are yet. All we know is that they're very murdery and everyone's going to die. <laughs> it seems like everyone's dead. I mean, this building is in complete chaos. There are blood and guts and noise everywhere. And now everybody who's inside has been sealed in. And so Miles, first Miles is why they have to give him a name that ends with S. It's so hard to say, like, possessively. Miles is... Miles's first objective is to open the doors at security control. So he heads out to do that. The second note that Miles makes in his little notebook... To highlight it, he says that Murkoff has a history of profiting under false charity. So they're sounding more and more shady already, and we've only had two notes about them. So he continues on through the building, and this is when we meet Shimano's cousin. It looks a lot like him, but he's a lot angrier, and he picks up Miles and throws him through a window onto the first floor lobby. That would hurt. I would have given up right there. I don't know about you. I would have died. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we might have. To summarize our scene one, after being thrown through a window from the top floor, Miles is woken by a man who, though very unsettling, 
seems a bit less bent on killing him. This man calls Miles his apostle and tells him to stay alive. Miles will continue to try to find his way out until someone sabotages him. First of all, this priest is the type of person where it's so creepy. And when you close your eyes and you think about him, the more you think, the creepier he gets. It's so creepy and I don't even know how else to describe it. Yeah, he's a little too close to his face. I don't know why you need to be that close to someone's face to talk to them. Uh, but he felt the need. Uh, he is unsettling. But to be fair, he didn't try to kill Miles. He told him to stay alive, so... But here's the thing. He's the type of guy who tells you to stay alive because he has something even worse. Like, you'd rather be dead than <laughs> to be part of whatever he's thinking. That's true. He's like the type of person who wants to drain you of your blood while you watch. <laughs> and that's it's a no for me. <laughs> Big distrust coming from Kathy. But soon after this, Miles will find the third document titled Warrant for Seizure. And this mentions security failure and potential environmental contamination. So I don't know if that maybe ties back to like the weird livestock behavior or spraying for bugs. The helicopter. Yeah. Seems like maybe it's not actually box elder bugs. But there's also throughout this game when you're looking at it, there's so much writing on the wall. Like I, I think some of them are crosses. I don't know if we saw crosses earlier on, but there's that there's so many different wall space that looks like a prisoner not even a patient but a prisoner scribbles on the wall as in they're counting their days to then leave or something that's just tracking and trying to keep people sane so that makes you question who are the people in here are they really people with like special needs and who are really in need to be in a psychiatric ward or are these normal humans being captured and tortured? So far what we know about Murkoff, they seem super shady and just kind of bent on profiting. No matter how the patients get there or their status when they arrive, it definitely seems like they're being abused in one way or another. And then we see another patient report for someone named Chris Walker. And this time the report was conducted by Dr. Wernicke. And this one is dated May 28th, 2013, so back in this current year mentions again the morphogenic engine hormones and dreams and then the interview notes say self-inflicted mutilation that he is enormous in size and that he claims the skin ripped from his forehead allows for a truer way of seeing they also mention he served in afghanistan and it has manic exaggeration of military protocol so the way they describe this guy, it sounds like he threw Miles off of the second floor. So now we have a name for him. And then I almost forgot to warn you about this just classic jump scare with the guy in the wheelchair. I had to be like, Kathy, oh Kathy, close your eyes, jump scare! <laughs> I think that was the one where I was writing down some notes, so I got really lucky. And yeah. that happened another time, but... <laughs> I'm, I appreciate every single warning because I did not do well with jump scares. But anyway, this guy in the wheelchair jumps up and says, Get them out. Rip them clean. You have to help me. Do you have any impressions on what any of that means? I don't know what that means, but my impression of the person, it makes you question how stable these patients are if they can be so coherent and explain to Miles saying that you need to get out or get people out. 
you're wondering what happened to them that got them there in the first place and Mm -hmm. how much torturing has happened. It's scary for us, the player, and for Miles, but it's also sad if you really listen to what he's saying. Like, this patient is scared and thinks there's something in him. I mean, maybe there is. We don't know, but he seems terrified. He's in turmoil. And as scary as it is, if you really look at it, it's it's sad. And so, yeah, exactly. We don't know, you know, what is their diagnosed issues and what is being implanted in them or what are they being experimented on? You know, what is making them worse? So you mentioned writing on the walls and there is a note that Miles makes when he films some bloody words on the wall. And he associates all of this with the doughy old man with a face like an alcoholic kitty fiddler in a homemade priest outfit. Very colorful language to describe this guy. Um, I feel like, Kathy, you might agree because you do not like him at all. I don't. I don't at all. (laughs) So it seems like he's the one leaving all these messages around. Miles does eventually make it to the security room where he tries to unlock the building. But then we see... um, doughy old man priest turn the power off why that's why he's not trustworthy what do you think he's up to i think he's probably trying to hide something so miles has to hide from shimano's cousin and he starts ranting on about how to interrogate people and i'm just curious what are your immediate reactions to chris walker slash shimano's cousin well, obviously, I don't trust him. <laughs> um, what has this guy seen that makes him who he is today and the way he treats others? Like, did he personally go through something that made him be so... No, I don't know if jaded is the right word, but so bloodthirsty. Mm-hmm. Or is he just naturally like that and that's why he's seeking this kind of thing? Or do you think he's a survivor of something similar to this? He's really intense, for sure, and it seems like he is stuck, his brain is stuck in something like military training or whatever he would have experienced. And the situation, the the state of of the building and all that chaos is probably making things worse (laughs) for him and all the other patients. Miles heads down to the basement to try to turn the power back on, and this is when he finds another document that is titled MKUltra CIA Hypnotic Homicide. And this one is interesting. It's dated 1954. So this is a much older document. It is an official CIA document. So was the CIA here at Mount Massive in the 50s? It seems like it. And in this note, we learn that they were able to like hypnotize a woman to shoot another woman. The gun was unloaded, but essentially this is hypnotized murder that they were able to pull off. And MK Ultra was a real thing. So that's interesting. Maybe there is a, a deeper background to this building and maybe it has connections to the story that's happening now. I actually thought that my first impression was that this happened before. I was saying that this happened because the people who were running on it had some fishy business that the CIA was onto them. And I'm curious if the CIA is still onto them. And then... There's another document about Project Wallrider Profitability Report. And it sounds like this stands to make Murkoff a ton of money 
and then it mentions that four people have died, and they expect more patients to die as well. But they sort of reference that, like, these patients don't have people who care about them, so they're not worried about being sued. Well, they were just kind of proving that part of the people in there are people who are homeless. And it, when I first read that, I thought I was thinking, that like, are they kidnapping people <laughs> instead of not, like, getting them as patients, but rather kidnapping them when they knew that that's the background they had? They could be kidnapping them. It could just be you know, mental health patients that their families dropped them here because they didn't know how to take care of them or didn't want to take care of them. And then they just sort of forget about them, which sucks, but it happens. Um, and then back in the security room, we're about to unlock the building, and then this is when we get roofied. Doey Priest stabs us with a syringe. I mean, at least he apologized, but he does not want Miles to leave and says, there's so much yet for you to witness. He shows Miles the security screen where men in tactical gear are being tossed around and slammed into walls. He refers to this thing as his lord, the wall rider. And we've heard wall rider a couple times in some documents. So what the hell is this thing? I don't know, but I feel like it was a, like a variant or some something they did to a person that ended up here. We can use him as a tool or a weapon. They did an experiment on a patient or a person who stayed there, and they were successful in making him into something they could be using him as a weapon or to exploit whatever powers he has. Maybe they succeeded a little too well at something, and it's backfiring. Yes, or maybe he's one of the variants. All right, scene two summary. Miles wakes up in a padded cell and forges ahead in his escape attempt, all the while documenting his experiences and uncovering some more information on what actually may be going on here. So when he wakes up, he films the walls of the cell, which have this blood writing all over them. And the note reveals a, a name for Doey Priest. His name is Father Martin. Miles, in this note, also says that he thinks Dr. Wernicke is at the center of the events here at Mount Massive, but writes, he's been dead for more than 10 years. So that's confusing. I was... Reading that, and I thought, like, is there some kind of reviving kind of program, or did it fake his death? Yeah, so the document for Chris Walker was dated this year, and it was conducted by Dr. Wernicke, but apparently he's been dead for multiple years, and then we have that one patient in the wheelchair saying the doctor's dead. And then, as we keep going, we walk up on... We have a name for them. We call them the SDWDOs. Do you want to tell them what that stands for, Kathy? Scary dudes with dongs out. They are out. And they are scary. <laughs> uh, they want to kill Miles, but say the preacher asked them not to. So it sounds like they're on his payroll, so to speak. And then we hear another patient screaming, they're in my blood and they want to get out. So this is, again, similar to what we heard the wheelchair patient say. And then I don't know what to say about that, uh encounter we blur it uh this encounter when miles pops up onto the next floor it caught me off guard even though i've played this game before i didn't remember <laughs> every jump scare so i don't know what to say about it but miles apparently knew what to say he took a note about it and said this place seriously just this place dying keeps moving lower on the list of the worst things that could happen to me here so, I mean, you might have a point about Father Martin. 
I'm telling you, sometimes it's better to die early in these places than to keep surviving. It's true. And then we find a document about Father Martin entitled Father Martin Finger Painter. It sounds like Father Martin was maybe diagnosed with schizophrenia and that finger painting greatly aided his therapy, but that the arts program had been canceled. And then I think our favorite line, <laughs> please just let the man finger paint. <laughs> oh, yes. It's just too good. But it explains why he keeps writing in blood. Hopefully that's been therapeutic for him. And hopefully he doesn't run out of blood to paint in because things might get worse if he does. There's so much blood in that place. He's not going to run out. And then there's also another line in this document from this doctor that says, I can't imagine the logic at play here unless Murkoff wants our patients to become more disengaged from reality. Can we just have a moment of respect for Dr. Neil? We don't know where he is. He might have been killed in this mm -hmm. chaos. But he was one of the good ones. Way to go, Dr. Neil. Unless he got turned into a bad person. He got reprimanded for requesting finger paints. His dying words were, Let the man paint! Let the man paint! <laughs> so Miles is still running around like a madman trying to get out of here. And then he stumbles upon a patient locked in a cell who is saying, They weren't experiments. They were rituals. I think he was accurate in his assessment that it's a ritual. I honestly think that it's some experiment in a cult-like situation versus just doing experiments. It's definitely well past the mainstream of experiments or tests that might be done in a situation in a place like this. But then the SDWDOs are back. They're behind some conveniently placed security bars so we did not have to blur them. After he gets around the SDWDOs, he makes a note after filming Chris Walker rip the head off of a person, and he takes note of Walker's language. He says, containment. Miles wonders, what if he's not the problem? What if he's trying to fix it? It's too early to tell, though. It is too early to tell. Once again, we are approached by these naked men. One of them starts walking up on Miles, like, put that dong away, sir. Then maybe we can have a conversation. I have to say, though, I love how sarcastic they are. Like, Miles jumps out a window to get around them, and one of them goes, My God, he vanished. But after Miles vanishes, he pops back in behind them. And this is a big moment for us, Kathy. It's a replay reviews first. It's the rare, the ever-elusive FBM. <laughs> I mean... We got dongs out. I think it's fair <laughs> if we get an FBM. We had some close calls in the previous games, but now we have the confirmed full booty moments. Do we need some sort of celebration for this? What kind of celebration? I don't know. I think here's where we put in the soundtrack of like, I like big buttons and not lie. <laughs> Anyway, full moon rising here in Mount Massive. Um, and then we find document number Not nine. Massive. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, cut me, sis. <laughs> we find Dr. Wernicke's death certificate, which is dated 2009. So this is contradictory to that 2013 note. I think there's a revival. Seeing the dates of the stuff makes me convinced there's some kind of reviving or fake death. But his full name is Rudolf Gustav Wernicke, born in Germany. And this death certificate says that he died of heart failure due to old age. Do you buy it, Kathy? What do you think is up with this guy? 
No, I don't trust any anyone right now <laughs> in this entire game. I feel like documents are forged. I wouldn't be surprised. So here's the kind of thing that I think is scary. <laughs> I know like the gore freaks you out in this game. Mm-hmm. But one of the scariest things in this game to me is the I have an itch guy. Who just follows Miles around and says, I have an itch. Can we help you? Like, if you want your back scratch, just ask. That creeps me out more than anything. It's the slow chasers. They have all the time in the world. They're so confident. They're just biding their time. And I don't know why that's so creepy to me. It's so much worse than all the gore for some reason. Um, and then there's something a little unsavory going on in one of the cells. But we're just, we're just going to scoot over that and not talk about it. And then um, one of the patients yells... It feels like it's trying to prove my point correct about people who supposedly are dead are actually not dead and they're continuing their work. Makes me think that they died, quote unquote, on purpose, so no one's going to do more investigations on them. I guess nefarious doctors. Mm -hmm. They can continue to do their experiments on someone without worrying the CIA cracking down on them. Speaking of nefarious doctors, we next find Dr. Warnicke's obituary. And there's one line that I want to point out. It's a little iffy. And it is, after a cloudy history with the German war effort. Is he a Nazi? I think so. I was just about to say... Or did he at least have to work for them? We could give him the benefit of the doubt and just say that he was like... A prisoner forced to work for them. But you know what? I don't trust him. <laughs> I don't trust him either. Miles takes another note and he says, The patients talk about the wall rider like it's a physical presence, a spirit or demon, something they found in the mountain. I think my biggest impression after watching the first one was... What is going on and who are these people conducting the experiments? Are they still alive? Are they dead? And then there's some prisoners that aren't chained to anything. They're just free to be, but they're just kind of hidden around. So why are the people who are stalking around not killing everyone? Who's doing all the killing? That's my biggest question. Yeah, it's a good point because Miles runs across a lot of people, a lot of patients in this first video that we have. And some of them are trying to kill him. Some of them seem to have their own agenda, like Father Martin and the SDWDOs. And then some of them just seem scared. We have people reacting to this situation in different ways. And it just adds to the chaos and the fear and the atmosphere of this game. And there's a lot of things going on. We have experiments. We have conjurings. We have the CIA. Yeah. We have people probably reviving themselves after dying yeah and could that be tied to the whole mk ultra thing this building has a long history and we know it was shut down due to government secrecy at some point so i mean maybe was that shut down just a cover-up were they actually still operating there and we also have questions why there needs to be a helicopter that is dumping pesticide there and why yeah. animals are acting weirdly yeah something big is definitely going on it seems like it's no longer contained within the walls of Mount Massive. That one document pretty much says that, you know, environmental contamination. Whatever is in there is, in one way or another, leaking out. I don't know if you have any, like, theories so far as to what's going on or if it's just all 
too much so far. It's it's a lot right now. <laughs> yeah. This the intro for this game throws a ton at you. And it's really mm-hmm. it's really intense, but I love it. This is like gold standard horror game for me. It's one of the first ones I played. I know you're really disgusted by it, but I really <laughs> enjoy it. <laughs> I could tell, but I think it really helps that you give me warnings. I remember feeling pretty queasy about with all the gore and everything. I mean, yeah, he did fall into a pile of dismembered bodies. It was I think that was the worst. I that's the <laughs> the highlight of what really grossed me out. Yeah, it's bad. Do you like the game despite being disgusted by it? I think I only liked it because you helped me through parts of it. If you made me watch some of the warnings that, you know, that one scene from part two about, um, we'll cut this out, but (laughs) like, if you don't warn me about that stuff, I would not like the game at all. I think I'm watching the game for the story and everything without the gore. Yeah. Maybe by the time we get to our next horror game, you won't have to Mm -hmm. close your eyes at all. (laughs) I don't know about that. High hopes. Should we stop? Yep. Let's do voice recorder on one, three, two, one.